Hi, I'm Kara Kilmer. I play Sylvie Brennan on Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Minas Amolis. gonna be all sunshine and roses but i can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride hey shy hearts welcome back to meet us at molly's this is episode 69 or i guess episode 69 part two take yeah, two 69b 69B, um, yeah, so we're so sorry about last week, guys. We had some unexpected audio issues, which was such a bummer because that recording was so good. So good. So good. Uh, but today we're going to go ahead and we're going to go back down memory lane for the second time. We're going to we're gonna try to bring this to you the second time. We're going to go back down memory lane. We are taking it all the way back to Chicago Fire, season two, episode eight, Rhymes with Shout, a.k.a. Dossie's first kiss. As always, I'm one of your hosts. My name's Gina. I'm joined by Bryna. Hello, everybody. Bryna, happy birthday. Thank you. Happy late birthday. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Thank you. When the first time we recorded, I wished her happy birthday and then said that we still wouldn't know about Timeless, but now we do. And Fuck! Oh, my God. That was, that was a horrible, horrible day. I'm sorry, Bryna. I'm really depressed. I mean, um... I was doing great. It came out after my birthday. At least I wasn't on my birthday. So that would have been a shitty birthday. It would have. But I just, I, I won't go into this too long, but I just don't understand. Like, I literally don't understand. Uh, yeah, no, I don't either. I, you know what I don't get is that in all of the tweets that came out the day that they canceled it, which was what, like Friday, Thursday? It was Friday. Something Friday like morning. that, yeah. In all of the tweets, everyone was like, we're so sad. We didn't want to do this. We're so heartbroken. Even Sony tweeted like the broken heart emoji. I was like, if you guys are all so sad about it, why didn't you pick it up? I, it's not Sony's fault. I, it, 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 It's NBC's fault. Like Sony... From what I understand, Sony was trying to make a deal, but Sony can only, like, Sony can only, you know, eliminate budget or whatever. They have to do so much to create a deal with NBC, but, like, if NBC doesn't want to budge, then NBC doesn't want to budge. That's true. There's, admittedly, there's so much about the business that we don't know. And I know me, personally speaking, I wish I knew it all, but I don't. Um, so right, but I think it's not, it's never been Sony's thing, because... Even throughout the season, like, whenever they did, like, Twitter cues and Q&As and things like that, like, Matt Lanter, Abigail Spencer, um, they were always on the Sony account. Like, always on the Sony Twitter handle. Like, any social media thing that takeover kind of thing they did was always on a Sony account. So it's never been Sony not wanting to produce the show. It's always, like, getting a network to produce the show. I just really honestly not – I didn't think they were going to cancel it again after – like, maybe after season three, okay, fine. Like, if it still wasn't doing well, like, it still wasn't doing well and, like, I mean, whatever. But I really didn't think it was going to be, like, season one, canceled, brought back. Season two, canceled. Like, I really just didn't think they were going to go there. Oh, it's just sad. I just, just – I really sad. hope – if okay, if worse comes to worse and, like, we can't get anyone else to pick it up, Amazon, Hulu, whatever – I really hope NBC pulls through with this two-hour movie. Just for the wrap-up, only because I know the cliffhanger. I mean, I, I am not caught up, but I know the cliffhanger. You know part so. of the cliffhanger. Well, Rufus dies, Spo- right? Spoiler alert. Yeah, Rufus dies, but you don't know. I mean, do you want me to tell you? You can. So Rufus dies. They come back, whatever. 
then future Wyatt and Lucy, like the last minutes are future Wyatt and Lucy, like coming back to present day and being like, well, let's go, like whatever, we're going to save him. But the whole thing is like up until that point, they thought they couldn't travel back to a time that they already existed in. So the fact that like future Wyatt and Lucy are in the same time as present day Wyatt and Lucy is like mind blowing. Yeah. So that's the other big half is like future Wyatt and Lucy have showed up. Wyatt is has a beard and Lucy looks like Tomb Raider, Laura Craft, and like it's a whole thing. Okay, but let's cover the most important thing here. Matt Lanter with a beard. Is it good? I'm really into it, but I know a lot of people aren't. <laughs> but honestly, Matt Lanter can do no wrong. And let Matt Lanter can do no wrong in my eyes, so Yeah. That's But yeah, so that you knew part of it. You didn't know the second half. So, but, like, Rufus combined with that is, like, double cliffhanger of, like, what the fuck happens then between yeah. present and them and, yeah. The diehard fans of that show really do deserve a wrap-up movie. They deserve closure. We deserve it. God damn it. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. But, yes, I forgot about the fact that we said by the next time we hopefully know and, like, now we actually do know. I know. I'm sorry, Brenna. It's okay. But you had a birthday, so that's good. I did. I am now a year older. Oh, a year older. 23. But still the baby. But still the baby. That's okay. Yeah. It's okay. So, as always, we like to start with the news. The first time we recorded it, we didn't have a lot of news. But now we have news. News. We still don't have a lot, but we still have news. Right. More news than we expected to have at any point this summer. So we're going to start with like we're going to start way back at like the beginning of the story here before we get into this first part of news. So we're back from ATX Festival in Austin. It's now been two weeks. How has it been two weeks since this festival? I don't know. It feels like on the one hand, it feels like yesterday. On the one hand, on the other hand, it feels like 10 weeks ago. Like it feels too long. I just I miss all our friends. I miss you. I miss being there. I miss SFA patios. I just I miss everything. I know. No, I miss it all. I just it literally feels like we arrived on a Thursday, blinked, and it was Sunday in time to go home. Like what yeah. the hell? It just went so fast, so fast. So, um, we recorded our last episode the Friday of the festival. So we discussed, you know, what we had done up until that point, but we still had two more full days of festival left that you know we hadn't told you guys about, and so. One of our favorite panels that we attended on Saturday that I know we had discussed last time was the power dynamics in the writer's room. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That panel was so good. Uh, so good. Yeah. It was like Liz Teagler, Rena Mamoon, uh, one of the writers from Halt and Catch Fire. Sean uh, Ryan from NBC's Timeless. Yeah. Uh, Glenn Mazzara was the moderator. Yes, we figured that out. Yes, we did. The Mazzaro was... is the moderator. Um, and then Sean Patrick Smith from Greek. So good. It was a really, really good panel. That was great. And then that night we got to see the pilot of Whiskey, Whiskey Cavalier, Cavalier, which yes. is premiering this fall with Scott. I thought Foley. it was mid-season. What is I it heard mid-season? Was mid-season? Which is unfortunate, but also makes sense since they're shooting in Europe, like that it's going to take a little bit longer. Yeah, and it makes sense given that you know, when we saw it two weeks ago, it had only been picked up a couple weeks back. So it was only picked up about a month ago. Yeah. And so, you know, it came to us pretty quickly. But Scott Foley was there. Uh, Lauren Cohen from The Walking Dead. She also stars in it. It was so funny. So funny. I'm really excited. Yeah. Oh, I just burped into the mic. That was sexy. (laughs) (laughs) 
we're leaving that one in. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I was not expecting to love that as much as I did. Agree. Yeah, we had we kind of talked about we're like, well, if we don't like it, like we'll leave when the screening's over and before his Q and A starts. But we were like, no, we're staying for the Q and A. Like it, ugh, it was so good. It was so good. And when we got there, because it was a late screening, it was like a nine fifteen screening, and we were like, yeah. man, that's late. Like we we got partying to do, you know. <laughs> um, and so. The guy who introduced the screening, I can't even remember who it was, but he had said, he's like, Whiskey Cavalier is like a super fun ride. And we were like, whatever, get to the TV. But afterwards, we were like, oh, my God, that was so spot on. That was a super fun ride. Well, like, it wasn't even just like one, like every, I mean, we were there with like a group of, there was like eight of us that were like sitting together. And I mean, Mm -hmm. we all thought it was like really well done. Yeah. So funny. So funny. So definitely keep an eye out for that when it premieres in mid-season so january 2019 from what i've from what i've heard that's what i heard around the festival which would again make sense it shoots in europe like makes sense yeah it's very very fun i see that being a sunday night show yeah but i don't know if i want it to be a sunday night show because i feel like sunday night shows are the kiss of death yes and no once upon a time did really well in that spot before it went downhill but sunday night shows i feel like can be forgotten pretty quickly that's what I'm saying, and I don't want that to happen to Whiskey Cavalier, because then it's going to get treated like the ATX pilots do, and it's going to die. And I don't <gasps> no. want it to die. We have to break this curse of ATX pilots dying. I know. This curse has to break. I know. That's why I want Whiskey Cavalier to be put on, like, a two. It's not going to be put on Tuesday night. But, like, I want it to be put in the middle of the week. Not Wednesday, because we'll be busy. Oh, yeah, not Wednesday. Tuesday. <laughs> Thursday's good. Thursday's yeah, good. Thursday's any night that's not Wednesday we will watch. Not Friday though, because Friday's the kiss of death. Sunday's the second kiss of death. Friday's the first kiss of death. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, that was really good. And then Sunday, I know I had everyone's doing great with the guys from Wintry Hill. Yes. But we both saw each other at Younger that afternoon, and Younger yeah. was awesome. And I went to Felicity reunion beforehand, which I have now finished. I don't know if I no, I had finished it by the time we recorded this, but. The first time, but yeah. Yeah. Felicity was good. It was very good. Nice. Nice, nice. But yeah, that was the festival. We had so much fun. Please, like, consider going if you've never been before. But the reason we start with the ATX Festival story is because every night, everybody kind of converges on the the main hotel. They have a bar, like a hotel bar, and everybody converges on the patio. Everybody. Like, festival goers, fans, all of us. Industry so people, that, everyone. Industry people, yeah. They don't keep you sectioned off from the festival goers. And the only reason they don't do that is because nobody has fucked that up yet. And so every year, I'm very cautionary, and I'm like, nobody fucked that up for us, okay? Like, don't do that. So that Friday night, I know you and I were together. We were also with the crew from Telltale TV, which is another TV website that we love. And so we were with Ashley from Telltale, Allison, Carolyn. Um, we were with our friend Tamara from the shipping room, of course. And basically the reason we tell this story is because we were, you know, sitting on the patio, enjoying our drinks, talking TV. We ended up talking to Nick Wexler. And Nick Wexler has a One Chicago connection. For those of you who don't know, he played Kenny Rixton on PD. And he's a festival goer. He's a frequent. He's an ambassador, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's he's at the festival every year, and he is just the nicest guy. He gets to know every single festival goer, treats them like their best friends. Like he's just wonderful. And we ended up talking to Nick that night for something like an hour and a half. 
Yeah, it was a long time. It was a while. And we just, it was literally just a discussion between four people who were very passionate about television. Yeah. That's all it was. And so he filled us in, you know, he's right now on Shades of Blue on NBC, which you can see every Sunday night at 10, 9 Central. He's on that season. He told us all about that. He talked to us about his time on PD. Um, We had a really, the whole thing that started this conversation with him was that we were with our friend Ashley from Telltale. Not Ashley, who we do the podcast with, but Ashley from Telltale. And Ashley and I have both watched Revenge in the past. Brina still has not. Hopefully, when you finish your Roswell binge, you will. Yeah, I'm watching him on Roswell right now. So I'm doing a Nick Wexler binge this summer, apparently. That's what ATX turned me into, but okay. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, goodness. So we got into a pretty deep discussion with Nick about revenge and his character, because there's still just a lot of unresolved feelings if you've ever seen that show. And it was like, for me and Ashley, I don't know about Bryna, it was like really cathartic, because... Nick's character on Revenge was just, Jack was, Jack Porter was just, he's goals. Like, he's a wonderful character. Yeah, just, mm. and it was very cathartic because, like, we were just like, Emily screwed him over. This is what Jack did deserve and didn't reserve, or reserve, deserve. (laughs) It's bullshit. If you couldn't tell by the time I burped into the mic earlier, I'm a little tipsy. I'm sorry. But we had a big conversation about Revenge and PD and Shades of Blue. And the point of it all is that our friend Ashley did an interview with him at the festival. And it is now available on Telltale TV if you would like to read it. And we will post the link once this episode is released. Because it's a really good chat with him all about his past auditions. and Well, and the reason we bring it up on this, like not just because A, Nick was on PD... But in this interview with Ashley, he talks a lot about his time on PD and, like, what he learned from Brian Luch, who's the main technical advisor on PD, and how it's helped him prepare now for his role on Shades of Blue. So that's really the reason why we bring it up, because there's a long discussion about it, um, about how he used to hold, like, guns wrong and things like that, and how, again, just how Brian was a really, Luch was a really big help for him. So that's really the reason we bring it up and the reason why we think you all should go read it besides the fact that if you love Nick and you just love television it's a good article um, yeah. and Ashley did a great job so she did very good job yes uh, also his Jason Begay impression is on point <sighs> yeah I know it really it's is really damn good really so really good, good. Yeah. yeah but that's that's one piece of news is the Nick Wexler article and again we'll post that the other piece of news that we did not have the first time we recorded Derek's Q&A from Sunday, June 24th. I say that even though we're recording on Sunday, June 24th. There were two interesting questions that were asked about fire during the Q&A. Bryna, would you like to touch on those? Yeah, so one of them was, any idea who will be joining Brett on Ambo? And Derek said, we have an idea of the character, but haven't started casting. Which means it's going to be a new character. I, I am deducting. I have no other insider information. I am deducting from this. That means it is not. Over, I mean it can't be. It's not Stella. It's not Mills. It's not. Like it's, it's a new person. I'm a little surprised about that. Are you? I mean. I'm a little surprised. I mean I guess because in my head. I have like. I either want Mills back in Ambo. Or I want Stella to move there. And then I want. Um. Cordova to come back but that's just like my own personal preference but I'm a little surprised that they're bringing in somebody new only because in the past they've seemed very hesitant to do it yeah yeah that's a good point yeah because every time like Dawson went back from she went from Ambo to Fire to back to Ambo and they obviously Mm -hmm. didn't bring a new character in after that yeah 
I don't know. I'm a little glad that they're not making Stella move to Ambo. I'm right. a little glad. Right. I just, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like they have so many characters. Over, and this is, again, this is just the problem with ensemble shows in general. Is like at some point you have too many characters and you can't give them, you can only spread storylines around so much. And so I want them to focus on the characters they already have, which is why I'd rather them just move things around and bring old characters back if it is at all possible. I understand that that's also not always the case, but that's why that would be my preference. But again, I understand from production side that that's not always an option either. Right. It's interesting. But so that was one of them. And then the other one that we wanted to discuss was somebody asked, Will Dossie be divorced at the beginning of season seven? And Derek says, no. Just one word, period. No. I love how to the point that was. And I feel like if it wasn't Derek, he would have said it in like all caps and been like, no, like hell to the no. Right. I I just kind of gathered from that tweet. It was a very adamant hell no. Right. Which like, I mean, that's, I would have been surprised had they started the season divorced. It would have broken my heart. And just that I said that just now that they would have been divorced. I'm like a little sad that I just said that because I can't imagine a world where Dossie ends in divorce. I just think then it makes interesting. I don't know. I mean, at some point then they have to address, like if they're not divorced at the beginning of season seven and she's just away in Puerto Rico, then at some point, they have to address, hey, when is, where is Dawson? When is she coming back? And, like, that part of that relationship. And, like, why isn't she coming back? And yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada, and whatever. Like, at some point, that has to be addressed. I'm not ready. Right. I just, I'm, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's, that then that's something they're willing to tackle in story, which I'm excited to see play out. But I think it's easier to just say, oh, they got divorced over hi- hiatus or time jump or whatever. And, like, okay, they've moved on. But I guess they're willing to tackle it at some point in the season. So I'd be ex- I'm excited to see how that plays out. Yeah. Oh, God, I'd be so sad if they started the season and they were divorced. Right. But I'd also understand if it was something they weren't willing to, like, because they just moved on and, like, she can't, she's not going to come back. And so whatever. Like, I would also understand if they were just, like, okay, we're ready to, like, move past it and move on with other stories and other characters and see where Casey goes and Kate, how Casey moves on from this. Like I'd understand if they were just like, okay, we don't want to touch that. And like, we're ready to move on. Hmm. But I mean, this is obviously like the fact that they're not divorced means they're going to tackle it in season seven. So season seven is going to be interesting. Yeah. It's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> nice pun. Herman said that at the end of season one. Okay, great. Yeah, sure. And it's in our intro. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that, but yes, yes, it is. We're both a little tipsy. Just a little bit. Us. Just a little bit. Anywho. But yes, that is the news. If you guys see anything, as always, please send it to us, especially over hiatus because the news is kind of hiding. Yeah. But yes, please send it to us. So I think we can jump into the episode. What do you think, Brenna? Let's do it. All right. So once again, we're going back down memory lane. This is season two, episode eight of Chicago Fire, Rhymes with Shout. Brian, we've come a long way since season two. I know. It's crazy. It is so crazy. So crazy. So we're going to break this down by storyline just like we always do. But something about the earlier seasons that I forgot that makes me laugh so hard is that, I mean, these were the days of 
like a million storylines happening at once and not all of them getting wrapped up by the end. Well, and I also think too, something I didn't, we didn't talk about when we, again, recorded this a week ago was just the fact that like now everybody has a storyline, but it'll be like characters having storylines together. So it'll be like a Stella ride, which is two characters, but their storyline is together. Whereas in this, it's very much like besides Jossie, which was like a relationship, but it's like Bowden and then Cruz and then, you know, Shay and then Sever. Like everyone has their storylines separate, mm-hmm. which is why there's like story like, you know, A, B, C, D, E and F storyline. Yeah. Which is why, like, like I said, and like now everyone's like, oh, well, like Stellaritis has a storyline or it'd be like Cruz. Otis and Mouch, like, their storylines together, you know. It's a little bit more, less storylines, but, like, them combined. Yeah. If that makes sense. Man, these were the days. Okay, so we're going to start with the Dossies, of course, because, like, how do we not, right? Yeah. So where we're at in the timeline here, again, it's early season two. Early season two. So Ben and Griffin have come and gone. They've just gone. They were staying with Matt because Heather wrecked the car in a very drunken accident where somebody died, that whole deal. Ben and Griffin are gone. So the episode starts. Gabby is at Matt's like super sad bachelor pad because he's still living there. He's still at the super sad bachelor pad he had when he and Hallie separated with like the mini fridge and like all the other like bachelor Casey things. So... Gabby's at the super sad bachelor pad, helping him clean up post Ben and Griffin. Well, and then I just think, you know, I mean, I've said this before, but like Matt taking care of Griffin and Ben and not even just them take him taking care of them, but just like the fact that they're never mentioned like ever again after this is just like a storyline that I personally feel was dropped too soon for my taste, especially now that we're in this cycle of like bringing up what happened to old characters kind of thing. Like not that they have to make an appearance again, because I don't know if that's also the right you know, if they're, like, Matt's moved on enough from that point, which I get. But, like, references that, like, hey, I'm at least still in contact with them would be great. Especially now that we've been in a cycle of this in season six. They haven't even touched on Griffin and Ben. And every time somebody has asked about it in one of Derek's Q&As, he's always, like, they're in Florida. Right. Which is fine. But, like, I'm assuming Casey still talks to them because Andy was his BFF. But, like, some mention of that would be great. Yeah, I would. Yeah, some mention of how they're doing would be great. And it's been four seasons. Well, not even four seasons. But when I was outlining this, I went looking for one of the original clips from this episode. This episode was in 2013. It was five years ago. Holy shit. I just started college. So if Griffin and I graduated like... from college, like that's how <laughs> crazy it is. So if Griffin was like 12 when this happened, that means he's like 17 now. He's probably looking at colleges. Like, can a girl get some follow up? Right. Like, can he come back to Chicago? Like, there's just so many things. And like, they're missing their dad. So like, who have they turned to for just advice? Like, is Matt? I I don't know. I just have so many questions. But then this is us being like, so into nitty gritty details that like, people probably don't care. But like, we care. We totally care. No, we care about all of the things. But they don't even have to come back to Chicago for me. I just want, like, a very small passing mention. Like, we got Chowton Rafferty last season. Well, we got, like, Brittany and, like, all the things. We got everything in fire this season, which has been great. But, like, I want a little bit more. Yeah, just something quick of Casey being like, oh, I got a postcard from Griffin from X school, you know, in Florida. Right. Just something passing would be great. 
Right. But this is also the time where Dawson and Casey are, like, dancing around each other. They're, like, flirting, but also just kind of, like, circling each other, kind of like sharks. Like, they don't really quite know the deal with each other, but they know that they like each other. It's very iffy time for the Dossies. Dawson mentions, she's like, I'm going to miss coming by and hanging out with those guys. And Casey's like, well, you could still come by. And things get a little, like, Dossie awkward. Just so cute. Yeah, because Dossie awkward is a whole different kind of awkward. It really is, though. It really is. Because, you know, I mean, Matt, for all of his good qualities and all of his, like, wonderful things, like, he's not good with words. And sometimes he just blurts things and it gets a little awkward. And, well, like, Gabby's not even reason. always – Gabby's not even always as good with her words either. Right, right. And so that Matt's – Yeah, Matt just blurts. He's like, well, you could still come by. And, like, awkward pause. Totally awkward pause. Yep. And Gabby just goes – well, we've already been down this road. Okay, hang on. This is in season two, right? This was five years ago. It was a long time. Yes. What is she talking about? We've already been down this road. We had the awkward kiss or the awkward almost kiss in season one at some Christmas party. And that's about all I remember. I could have sworn. And I'm, we should have done some more research since we had time to do pre-recordings. Um, but... I could, weren't they, like, kind of a thing? Like, when Hat, like when Matt and Hallie were on a break, weren't they kind of a thing in season one? But not really, but, like... I think they kind of explored it, and they were going to be a thing. They were, like, they were maybe right about to kiss or something, and then Hallie came back. Right. Right. And I just remember having, them having a moment, and we talked about this in the last episode, in Gabby's kitchen when Matt sees the picture of her and Mills on her refrigerator and he's like oh I didn't realize you guys were so close and she's like yeah he's great and then they like take the selfie in her kitchen so that he, he's like I want to be on the fridge too and yes. they like take the selfie so that she can put it on her refrigerator that's all I remember but that was such a good moment oh the selfie it was so good the selfie and the picture outside Molly's like just such good Dossie moments Oh my god, the picture outside of Molly's. I forgot about that. Why didn't we recreate that in March? We should have. Because <laughs> we were too drunk. We Not were too drunk, drunk and we it was tipsy. fucking cold. Yeah, yeah, it was cold. Yeah, we took our picture and that was it. Yeah, that was about it. But yeah, so cutting forward, they get a call. And it's a three-car accident, this call. But it's one of those where, like, I can't figure out the logistics. Now, I've been puzzled by more rescues on, like, a worse level. This one's not too bad, but there's, like, there's three cars... There's a minivan that went into a pole, but then there's like a pickup truck facing the opposite direction behind it. And then the third car, I'm like, I don't even fucking know. Yeah. So it's one of those where it's like piece the puzzle together, but you're just like, I can't. This is weird. It's one of those things where they probably just like put cars like that look smashed together in a scene. Like they weren't really thinking about the logistics of like, well, this car was coming from ditch direction and hit this one, so we need to place it here. Like, it was just like, oh, we want three cars in a scene, so that, yeah. Again, things we think about, but, you know. Yeah. These are things that I I imagine behind the scenes. They're like, people will never notice that. Meanwhile, on the podcast, we're like, listen. (laughs) We want to know every little thing. Yes. This car was at exactly this angle at this time, and it doesn't add up. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a three-car accident. It's really weird. So the minivan went into the pole. So Matt crawls into the minivan, assesses the driver, calls for Gabby. Gabby's immediately like, Casey's calling. I'm going to drop everything. Sorry, victim I'm already attending to. I'm going to just run. 
And so Gabby runs. And in the minivan, it's like super tight quarters. So the sexual tension is just like super amp- or yeah, super amplified. And it's just kind of amazing. Yeah. It's great. The sexual tension. It's just so great. Because they're, they're obviously trying to like, like move around each other. But they're in such tight quarters. Like, oh, excuse me. Oh, oopsies. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Matt. Like, oh, oopsies. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> That's my Dawson impression. Oh, right then and what, there. That's well, I'm just like, even the hands that you were just doing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was good. Oh, yeah. You guys couldn't see it, but yes. Oh, good stuff. Oh, man. Just that's 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 my Dawson impression right there, which you guys did not see, which is sad. But anyway, so yeah, Matt and Gabby work together. They get the driver out just in time for all of the things to catch fire. Literally all of the things. They get this driver out and it's just like, whoosh. Like, everything catches fire. And so we get this angle from, like, underneath, not underneath the car, but, like, underneath the back row seats, wherever they are. And Matt throws himself over Gabby as CGI flames just, like, shoot through the car. And I point out that they're CGI flames because, like, you can totally tell. You can totally tell. But, yeah, it's one of those, like, Matt just throws himself over her and, like, he puts his hand on her head and Dawson's face is like, holy shit, there's fire. And, like... (laughs) Yeah, it's just yeah, it's a really, it's a really cute early Dossie moment. Yes, it is. It's just so good. So then the flames die down because I, I don't even remember. Did they extinguish the flames or did they just stop on their own? Like, no, I think they extinguished them. Yeah, and so Dawson and Casey like haul ass out of the car. Casey like ninja rolls out. I don't even know, but they have one of those. This is probably one of their first, by the way. But they have one of those moments where they stop and stare at each other, and it's like a "thank God we're alive" moment. Yeah, you know the one I'm talking about. Oh yeah, they kind of had it after she got stuck in the garage collapse last season. Yeah, they've had it quite a few times because yeah, they like yeah. to find themselves in sticky situations. There was that building that got shut up when Brett was partnered with Chili. And then they like they realized they were okay and they got out. They had a thank God we're alive a moment or moment, whatever. I'm rambling. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so they have one of those moments and then they go about their business. So we cut to the Ambo. And remember, at this point, we're gonna touch on what's going on with Shay, but Chout is basically in Shay's place in this episode. And so Chout goes on about him. He's like, Yeah, I was totally gonna jump in the back of the car, but then like, you know, I just didn't. But Gabby, like all of us, is like not even listening. She's completely tuned him out. Except for the bit about spelunking that he mentions. Like, the fuck is that? I don't know. It's like something about cave dive. I don't even know. Oh, Chout. Oh, Oh, Chout. And I think something we had noticed in the last time, the last recording that we did was that Alex Wiseman, the actor who plays Chout, he's got quite a career on Broadway. Yeah, he is in, because when we were looking it up, he is in the Harry Potter Broadway thing right now. Yeah, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Yeah, and he had had like a theater career in Chicago, and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, he's popped up on Empire a couple times, so good for you, Alex Wiseman. You go. Get it, Alex. And if you want to ever come on the podcast, we'd love to have you. Hit us up. <laughs> Meet us at mollies at gmail.com. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but also, LOL, because everybody in this episode keeps calling him Chute, and yeah, it's funny. So later on, Gabby visits Matt in his office, and, you know, these were the days where, you know, it wasn't completely kosher for her to just pop up in Matt's office, but, like, she could because she was Gabby, you know. So she pops up in his office, and she sits down, and she's just talking to him, and she misses Shay, and she's just kind of beating herself up over the whole fact that Shay transferred. Now, where we're at in the timeline here is that their patient 
Daryl. Daryl was his name, right? Yes. Okay. Their patient, Daryl, had just committed suicide right in front of them. So emotions were still pretty raw. And so, you know, Dawson's beating herself up over the transfer and everything. She kind of feels like it's her fault. And Matt's just kind of listening and offering advice and just overall being the Casey that we know and love, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. So now we get into the territory where this episode just becomes iconic because it is. And Gabby's just like, by the way, you know, thanks for saving my life today, blah, 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 whatever. And so Matt's like, you know, you've done it for me a million times. And then we get into like iconic Dossie lines territory. And so Gabby's about to leave and Matt just is like, the truth is, and like Gabby turns around and this is the one you see in all of the gift sets on Tumblr. And Matt just goes, I don't know where I'd be without you. Oh. Insert Dossie music here. Yes. And I think this is the first time we hear the Dossie music, isn't it? I think it is one of the very first times we hear the Dossie music. Ugh. The best. I know. So good. So good. So iconic. So good. Just so good. Yeah. There's just, just early Dossie, like season one, season two Dossie before they're like together together. It's just so sweet and so pure and just... Hmm. Yeah. Like, it's my, I mean, my favorite for sure. Yeah. Oh, so good. So, yeah, the Dossie music, I don't know where I'd be without you. And then fucking Chout knocks on the door. Damn it, Chout. Fucking Chout. Ugh, Chout. But yeah, so he kind of ruins the moment. But then we cut forward later on in the episode and we get pretty much an iconic rescue. So, we've already had an iconic Dossie line and now we have an iconic rescue to boot. Yes. This is the Bunt Pan Rescue. This uh, is the one. One yeah. of my favorites. It's so good. Okay. So, this is the Bunt Pan Rescue. So, they get to this apartment. This woman is like, this guy came in through my back door. I thought he was an intruder. So, I casually stabbed him with a giant long fork in the heart. Yep. Casual. Casual. And so... Gabby secures the because like the fork is like pulsating so they know it's like right in his heart like yeah and so Gabby does not even miss a beat and she's like do you bake can you grab a bunt pan and they secure it with a bunt pan do you think Luis that the guy that had the fork in his heart do you think he actually survived that accident because that's all I could think about the fact that like because it literally so they get it secured or whatever and then it cuts to Gabby doing paperwork at Lakeshore Okay, so I don't want to give away the fact that we already Googled this the first time we recorded, but we did. And odds are that he did not survive. Yeah. No. Which it's is sad. Because, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. sad. We looked it up and we found a bunch of different articles. And I think one of the ones I found said that, you know, you have a one in three chance of surviving being stabbed in the heart. Yeah. Which boils down to, like, 32%. Not good. Not good. Sorry, Louise. Sorry. Hmm. No, sorry. But let's imagine in our world that he did. We can make our little AU world where he survived. Yeah. Yeah. And now he tells the story of the time that he was stabbed in the heart and the CFD medic saved his life with a bunt pan. Yeah. Great story. Great story. Such a badass story. And when he tells it at parties, people don't believe him. Until he pulls out a picture on his phone that they took of him lying in the hospital bed. <laughs> Just because no one's going to believe him. The things you find on the internet, I tell you. So, yeah. yeah, so Gabby casually secures the wound with a bunt pan. They move on. 
But the best part of this to me is that Chout just kind of fangirls over Gabby once the call is over. And it's totally warranted. It's just basically all of us for the past six seasons. Yeah. Chout invites Gabby to his friend's lake house. But Gabby's like, "Mm, I'm taken. LOL at Chout not reading Gabby's signals. Like, just, just, she completely, he completely misses it. But like, you know, good for you, Chout. You saw an opportunity and you went for it. Yeah. You go, Chout. Yeah. You go, Chout, and you go, Alex Wiseman. (laughs) (laughs) So we end the episode. Gabby's at home drinking a glass of red wine. As the Dossie music plays full force in the background. Now, by this point in the timeline, I don't think we realized that the Dossie music always meant that something really good was about to happen. Yeah. No. Definitely not. So we were just kind of like, hmm, what pleasant music. But (laughs) Gabby's drinking red wine. She's kind of restless. She's like pacing, doesn't really know what to do with herself. She pulls herself together, you know, puts on her little black dress, bright red lipstick, which she kills, by the way. Like... I love that look of bright red lipstick, but I can't pull it off. I look like a clown. Yeah, it's it's hard. I just, well, you do it well. What do you do? I don't know. I can't do it. I, I don't know. I don't do anything. I, yeah, I don't know. But I do like red lipstick. <laughs> You're like, I just put it on and leave. What? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. So she puts on this bright red lipstick, little black dress, totally kills it in like two seconds. And it's like mm, casually dressed for a night out. By the way, though, she's going to a lake house. Like, what? She's not going to a lake house. It was her. It was Chout's friend's lake house. But that's not where she's going. Where's she going? To Casey's. Is she? Why do you Are think- we sure about that? I'm 99.9. Why the fuck would she be going to Chout's lake house? Because she got invited? No, no, no. Who the fuck? At this point in the timeline, who the fuck wants to hang out with Chout? Sorry, Daddy. Alex. <laughs> okay. No, she's going to Casey's. <laughs> okay. Huh. I'll draw it up. She's going to Casey's. This is an interesting point I've never thought about before. Where was Dawson going? She's going to Casey's. Okay. All right. Getting all dressed up, though? Yeah. She's probably wearing her sexy underwear and everything. She. I mean, why wouldn't That's- she? 208 has now come, like, gone into a completely different direction <laughs> in my mind. I'm just, like, thinking. I can't believe anyway. you didn't. I can't believe No, I thought she, she was, was going, going to hang out with Chow at the lake house. No, 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 no. In which case, I was going to ask why you get all dressed up to go to a lake house, because, like, lake house. Well, and, like, if she was going to lake house, she probably would have had to leave, like, ten hours earlier. True. Because, like, it's not far to go to the lake house, I'm assuming, but it's probably, like, an all-day affair. Interesting. So, she pulls herself together, kills it. She's ready to leave, opens the door, and whoop, there it is. It's Casey in the doorway. Just Casey and all of his caseiness. It's the best. It's so good. Oh, my God. It's so good. They basically just say nothing, and then they just start, like, furiously making out. And it's probably, like, the best scene in Chicago Fire history. Yeah. And I just think, I mean, the fact that there are no words for literally the last two minutes of this entire episode just adds to the epicness. And just adds to, like, how momentous this was going to be. And obviously we didn't know it at the time, but, like, looking back, we can say that, like, it adds to the epicness and adds to, like, just, like, how momentous it is. And I love, you know, she opens the door and, like, the look in Casey's eyes, you can just tell that it was just such a long time coming and that, like, all of that tension had built up and just. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, the Dossies. So good. 
can I say something that's like kind of related to the Dossie music, but is slightly off topic? Go for it. Okay, I meant to text you this. So I've been watching the new show on OWN that just premiered this past Tuesday, Love Is, on the 19th. It's so good. Highly recommend. But so they have, because like the first episode was all about the meeting and whatever and kind of like the startings of their relationship. And so they had a couple moments where they play this music and I was just like thinking about it and I was relating it to the Dawson music and I was like, oh my God, this is definitely going to be their moment or their music where every time something good happens, I hope they play this music. Like they have a thing and it's good music too and it adds so much to their scenes and I'm like, oh, if this doesn't happen, like every time something significant between Nuri and Yasir happens, I'm going to lose my shit. But the music on that show is just also incredible, so I hope I'd be okay if they played something different every time. But like, it's like, um, it it's good. That's awesome. I just like, I was like, uh, this is so much like Dossie music. You know what? I, now that like we talk about the Dossie music, so Dossie has their own music. Winstead had their own music. They Why did? doesn't Berzik? Yeah, they had music. Watch the episode when they go public at Molly's. When Lindsay's like, would you yeah, like to yeah, hold my hand in public moment. now? I'm trying to think about the music. Yeah, they have music. I'm going to have to look this up. Okay. Unless I just made it up in my head, and that's just music that plays in my head whenever they <laughs> were together. I say were. Oh, I miss Lindsay. But why doesn't Berzik have their own music? Honestly, because they're not the main couple on that show. Uh, but they should be. Well, now they should be. Uh, Yeah. But they were never, like, they were never going to be, like, you know, they weren't the couple they were promoting the show with. Oh, so good. So good. So another piece we had in this episode was Cruz and Leon, because this is back when Leon was still around. It's still around for a while. Oh, my God. So around. Or so around. So good, though. I mean, that's what I meant to say. Again, tipsy. Bryna, will you please take us through Cruz and Leon? Yes. So context to this. At the end of season one, or end-ish of season one, Cruz had, Leon was in a gang, and they wanted to get him out, so they ended up getting him out only because Flacco, the gang's leader, died in a fire, and Cruz did not help him out, so yada yada yada, that's where we're at. So Flacco, that's such a blast from the past! I know, crazy. So, Cruz and Leon are walking to work, and they're talking about school and work and life and yada, yada, yada. When a drive-by shooting occurs, like, right down the block from them. And a little girl from their neighborhood is killed who had literally just rode by them on their bike, like, two seconds before. And so, they go check on her whatever. 911 ends up coming. Ambulances and cops and intelligence, it turns out. Um, but of course, because of Leon's history with gangs and the law and stuff, Cruz tells him to run. So he does, but Voight and Lindsay come over to talk to Cruz, and this is the first time we meet Lindsay. It's the first time we meet Lindsay! Oh my god. I'm not gonna lie, I have a confession to make here. When I saw the deadline tweet or whatever the news broke when it announced that she was coming over to CPD, I, I was weary. I was like, she's, what? She's gonna play a cop? Yeah. Like, I was totally weary of it, but I completely underestimated her because she she slayed it, of course. Like, of course she slayed it. Yeah, and I mean, I think for me, really, because, I mean, I obviously knew PD was a thing. I mean, I binged this very late in comparison. 
Um, so I obviously knew that she was already on there or whatever. But I think really because this is the first time you meet Lindsay and you really see the two, Voight and Lindsay, working together as a pair, like this whole storyline kind of establishes a feel and a tone for how PD was going to be when it aired later on that television season. So I think it's just a really cool reminder to like see, A, where it started out and how far we've come and, you know, all that stuff. That would be a good episode for us to cover. It would be the PD backdoor pilot. Oh, yeah, we should just to see how much has changed. Yeah, for sure. Because, I mean, the only characters from that backdoor pilot that stuck around, we met Atwater for like a nanosecond. So Atwater was in that. And then we got Jules, RIP. Yeah. Antonio, Voight. That's that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. So really, I mean, really, yeah, like you said, and really just Voight and Antonio, because Jules, R.I.P. And Atwater for a split second. Well, I mean, but like a split second, like you don't really get to know him that well. But fun fact about the PD backdoor pilot, actually two fun facts. A, Scott Eastwood was definitely in it. Yes. And B, the girl who played Scott Eastwood's partner, her name totally escapes me right now. She was Jesse's co-star in the Jodie Arias movie on Lifetime. Interesting. Which, if you ever catch the Jodie Arias movie on Lifetime, Jesse is a baby, and it's just adorable. Well, I think it's funny, too. I mean, again, we're not talking about – we could do a whole episode on the PD backdoor pilot, but I also think it's interesting um, that – but, again, besides Jules, R.I.P., and Atwater, who you barely see for, like, a brief nanosecond – like, the two characters who ended up sticking around were characters who had already been introduced on fire way earlier on. Yeah. Like, we had already gotten to know them a little bit. Yeah. It's interesting when you look at characters on PD who got introduced on fire, because Aaron and Jay both got introduced on fire. Yeah. And I think and it worked Antonio. well for them. Because and yeah. then you think, I think... I think that's maybe one of the, I mean, again, this is not, has nothing to do with late with fire, but I think you could almost argue that the success of, I mean, granted besides justice, but one of the reasons I think you would argue justice didn't work out so well was because none of their characters were really heavily introduced in episodes that weren't backdoor pilots. Like, cause you even think about med and Nick had storylines on PD before he was introduced and April had storylines on fire before Med was a thing. Like, they were already woven into the universe. So it was easier to latch on to Med because we already liked those characters. Yeah, and speaking of April, that's something that's going to go on my season seven wish list. Can we see more April and Sev being friends? Yeah, I'd love to see that. I don't know if it'll happen, but I'd love to see it. Yeah. Well, I tried to think they went to high school together. And I'm like, when I see people I went to high school with, it's kind of awkward because I hated high school. But they were friends. So like, yeah, they were friends. They were friends. So no. So it's just interesting because like I said, now that we're thinking about backdoor pilots and how things were introduced or whatever, like Med did the same thing with two of their characters. PD did the thing with like four of their characters. um, Yeah. And Justice did not So I think that was part of their problem. No, but I agree with you that this whole storyline established the feel for PD and the tone and everything. And I feel like it really did it very well, too. Yeah, 100% agree. Um, So, yeah, so they talked to Cruz and they're like, what were you doing here? And Cruz is like, well, I know her. Like, I was around the corner when it happened, whatever. And they're just like, well, if you think of any other details, whatever, like, contact us, but we'll be in touch otherwise. So then Cruz is back at 51 for a shift, and Casey is straight up panicked 
when he hears that Voight had, in fact, ended up being sniffing around for Cruz later that afternoon. Um, Cruz is like, no, 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 don't worry. Like, it's not about the fire. Because Casey is the only one that knows about the truth about Flacco and the fire. And Cruz is like, no, no, no. Like, it was really just about, like, a drive-by shooting that happened in my neighborhood this afternoon. Like, I'm fine. It'll all be fine. But, so, again, Voight had been sniffing around for Cruz. So, Cruz does indeed sit down with Voight. And Voight finds it, of course, oh, so convenient that Flacco died and that Leon was able to be free from gang life. And Cruz can kind of is getting suspicious of the fact that Voight is bringing this up. But he, you know, again, goes along with it for right this second. But that's okay for the moment because Hank has a really good idea. He wants Leon to go back into the gang so that they can find out who killed, well, not killed, but who hurt Yvette, um, which is the little girl. And Cruz is all like, no, are you insane? Like, fuck this. This is stupid, whatever. But at this point, Voight threatens to tell everyone what happened with Flacco. Because even though Voight doesn't have full confirmation, Voight knows. Just this bugs me. Because A, you know, he wants Leon to go back in with the gang. But coming from someone who, you know, family is so big to Voight. And, you know, family and loyalty and, you know, protecting your own whatever. This is just kind of hypocritical of him based on what we know now. But the other thing is that this is like a double standard AF here, like double standard as fuck, because the Voight we know now would be totally understanding of what Cruz did, that, you know, he let Flacco die to protect Leon. Totally would be understanding. But here he's using it against Joe to get what he wants. What I think two things. One, I mean, Voight literally, even on fire, like had done the same thing in season one and ended up getting burned for it. Um, but even now, I mean, I think it just kind of shows how much Voight has grown and evolved since he was established on fire. Do you think if this storyline happened in season six, that Voight would make the same decision and want Leon to go back into the gang? Um, I I don't, I mean, in season six, like, so, like, we haven't seen anything, like, everything's canon up until, like, without dying and everything. So, in a situation where Al has not died yet, but Woods is still on his tail about what happened to Bingham, do you think Voight would still be understanding, or would he throw Leon under the bus? Um, I think he is understanding, but I think if this happened, if we're talking like season six, Al's died, like everything is canon that we've seen, I think it's a different situation, and I think he's more willing to throw Leon under the bus. Yeah. Because he doesn't want to trust anyone and yada, 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 and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm just really curious as to how Voight's going to be post-Alinsky, but that's a discussion for our next episode, which we will talk about at the end of yes. this episode. Anyway, carry on. Yes. So, um, yes. So, Cruz is like, no, 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 like, that's not happening. Um, and then they end up having another conversation, and... It's this time it's Cruz and Leon and Voight and Aaron. Um, and so at this point, Voight's like, nope, we got to do this again. Like, you know, I really need you to go under in the gang unit. And Cruz, mostly Cruz at this point. Leon's there, but mostly Cruz is talking. Um, and Cruz's like, no, 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 like, shove it. Um, like, this isn't mm-hmm. happening. But Aaron takes over and uses the little girl and the fact that she's now died as, you know, a result of this, her being caught up in the crossfire as leverage. And so, my thing, my, I mean, 
obviously like Aaron's using him as lev or using the whole situation as leverage and that's fine and whatever and obviously Leon ends up saying yes. But later at the apartment when Leon leaves to go undercover, like Cruz's face just like kills me. Yes. Oh my god. It just it's fucked up to me how they're playing him. Yeah. But yes. Ugh. Yeah, just like yeah. give Joe Monoso all the meaty stuff like forever and always and just like I'll say it I've said it once, I'll say it again, just bring back Leon. Yes, please. Yes, please. I just, I feel like when Joe Minoso cries, I cry. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you just want to hug him and protect him and just be like, come here, little cinnamon roll. I am so sorry. Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Allow me to hurt them for you. Yeah. Um. But so, like I said, Leon ends up going undercover and, you know, leaves and whatever. Later on at 51, Cruz confides into Casey and it's just perfect because Casey's just practically puking wisdom and it's just ugh, so good. Yeah, he's just like, you did everything you could. You did what you thought was right. Just, ugh. Yeah. Wise Casey. I love it. Yeah. And then the episode ends. We get a Zoya sighting. Talk about throwback. Um, and so Zoya and Cruz are, everyone's at, well, not everyone, but a lot of them are at Wally's. And Zoya, Cruz is, like, down in the dumps. And Zoya's behind the bar. And she's like, yeah, like, I'm going back to Russia because, you know, things didn't work out. Like, can't marry Severide, so, like, not happening. And, that's so funny, because the first time we recorded this and you mentioned that she had hooked up with Severide, I was like, wait, 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 she what? Because I, I totally forgot that she hooked up with Severide, but it makes all of the sense in the world. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Of um, course. Oh, hey, look, it's a single woman. I shall sleep with her. Right. And so she says she's going back to Russia, and Cruz had always had kind of a thing for her and had a crush on her or whatever. And so Cruz, because he has nothing at this point left to live, or so he feels, he's like, I say you marry me. And so at the end, it kind of ends with them, like, being like, we're just like, we're getting married. And <laughs> everyone's just like, oh, yeah, yay. Well, yeah. <laughs> Who, it was, it was what, Herman Otis Dawson and Clark, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and I just, I loved Herman's face, because everybody was like, they didn't really know how to react. And so Herman was like, guys, that's awesome. That's awesome, right? Like, let's rally. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, iconic. Adorable babies back in season two, I tell you. Yeah. Uh. But yes, more Leon. I would like more Leon. Surely it's safe for him to come back to Chicago at this point, right? He already came back. No, I know. But like to come back on a more like permanent basis. basis. Yeah, I, I would think so. I would hope so. I like Leon. I love Leon. And I just, I love that relationship and I love that dynamic. Um, I'm like, could you imagine the scenes where Cruz is talking to Leon about Brett and Leon's like smacking him upside the head, like get your shit together? Yeah. That'd be sweet. So we had Cruz and Leon, but we also had Shay and Devin taking it back to not only Shay, but Devin. Ugh. So great. Okay. So in the timeline, this is back when Otis and Sev and Shay had their super sweet two-story apartment. This is the one that the spiral staircase, right? No, that was the first apartment. And this is not the one that just went up for sale a couple months ago. No, the spiral staircase one is the one that went up for sale a couple months ago. That's like 10 bajillion dollars. Got it. Got it. Okay. This is still a pretty sweet ass apartment though. Yes. It was like two stories. Just awesome. Probably way more than they could afford, but, you know, TV. Yeah. So. Yeah. And also, just yeah. need to point out, like, one of my favorite parts of this whole scene is, like, 
um, Devin and Otis having a conversation about the Viper helmet because, like, classic Otis thing, the Viper helmet. And they're, like, have, they're like being all nerdy and whatever and having a conversation about it. And Devin's like, yeah, better investment than stocks any day. And Otis is like, that's what I told my mom. Like, <laughs> and she's like, oh, Otis. That's another thing going on my season seven wish list. We've met Baba. I want to meet mom and pop Otis. Yes. I need that in my life. I need that. Yes. 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 I imagine them being straight up Russian. Like, I imagine Otis being first generation American. Yes. I I don't know if I – I definitely think one of his parents is straight up Russian. Because Baba and Baba clearly looks like she hasn't lived in America a day in her life uh, before now. Um, but – I don't know if I, I don't know if both of them would be, but yeah. Yeah. Just, I need to meet mom and pop Otis. I uh-huh. do. Yes. I need it in my life. Also, did you see Yuri's Instagram post last week? No. He's in Iceland right now, I think. He's in Europe, basically. I'm going to look at and this right now. He couldn't, like, I guess he, he hasn't shaved in a couple of days. And so right before he shaved, he posted on Instagram and was like, quick check in with Otis before I shave. It was funny. Yeah. Let's see. You're... I think it was in his story, though. Well. I got a laugh out of that. But, yeah. So, Severide asks Shay, while Shay why Shay is still in her PJs. Because it's like 7 in the morning. Meanwhile, Devin is running around in her underwear. Like, if you're at your significant... Not a significant other. Okay. If you're at your boyfriend or girlfriend's place, but they have roommates, are you really going to run around the place in your underwear? Yes. I mean, I guess because I run in around in my underwear a lot. If even if like, I mean, I guess it depends on who's around, but like, yeah, <laughs> not ashamed to say I do. No, you shouldn't be. But yeah, Devin runs around in her underwear like no big deal. We get the bomb dropped that you know basically Shay drops the bomb on Severide, which means she drops it on us. She is transferring. Dun dun dun. dun, dun. Yeah. And so Kelly's just kind of listening to her talk about it, but also he's got the concerned BFF face and it's just the best. And it's just something we don't see anymore. Yeah. We don't. Because he is BFF with Casey, but it's like a different level of BFF. Oh yeah, it's definitely a different level. Yeah. Just different. But I also feel that we must recognize Kelly for seeing a woman running around in her underwear and not wanting to sleep with her. Well, I think it's probably, I mean, I, we don't know, like, I don't think they ever say whether Devin is bi or gay, but either way, like, Devin is currently A, I mean, not in a relationship, hooking up, whatever, like, with his BFF, so that's, like, a line you don't want to cross, but if Devin is, I mean, just, is gay and not bi, then, like, Devin's not going to be interested in him, so why would he try? Well, that's true, I know, but it's good to know that Kelly abides by both the bro code and the girl code. <laughs> yeah. I suppose. Another thing I'm going to add to my season seven wish list, and this goes. You need to start making notes. You're going to forget all of this. I know, I really do. But back what we were talking about in the news, how they're going to cast a new medic now. Can we please, for the love of God, have an LGBTQ character? I don't care that Shay was LGBTQ and she was on Ambo beforehand. Like, can a girl get some representation? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a big issue. Just like, please, other than the minor character lawyer on Med. Yeah, whose name we can't even remember. Exactly. And, like, if he's going to be the only LGBTQ character, can you, like, give him more? Just, can a girl get some more representation is all I want. Yeah, for sure. I'm, like, eating into the mic. This is so not professional, but, like, whatever. Um, Yeah, so 
Gabby and Le- or Gabby and Shay are still kind of like they're fighting a little bit. Not fighting, but they're like not talking. So Gabby asks Kelly to talk to Shay. But Kelly's like, you know, you should do it. Shay would rather hang out with Devin. She doesn't want to listen to us, whatever. And so at the end of the episode, Severide and Otis get home and the apartment is a disaster. Yep. And so Severide runs upstairs, finds Shay, and Shay is just crying her eyes out. She gave Devin a key, so Devin broke in and stole all of the things. Literally everything. Mm-hmm. Including Otis's Viper helmet. Yep. Man, I did not like Devin, and I forgot how much I did not like her. Yeah. She was, a. Uh, just... Yeah. Yeah. She just up and returns everything, right? Some stuff. Like, the Viper helmet, even though it's fake, like, in the end, comes back, but not everything. I forgot how much I hated her. Yeah, she's terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, terrible, terrible. Really terrible. Yeah. On a more positive note, though, we also got Severide and Katie in this episode. Severide and Katie! Oh my god. Katie. A character, like, Katie is at the top of my list of, like, characters I actually want to see back. Over like, Mills? Ka- eh, no, no, Mills is a different, like, Mills is, like, main character. Like, Mills was, mm-hmm. like, like, Katie was never a main character. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a little bit different. But yeah, Katie's mm-hmm. like top at the top, top, top. She was just good. And like what so she good. did for Severide and that relationship was just oh, so good. Um, Brenda, take it away. Yeah. So basically, context leading up to this though. So up until the, like, I think the episode prior to this, I mean, they didn't realize that they were related. Um, Severide actually thought, because he had seen Benny, the infamous Benny, talking with Katie, and he actually thought that maybe Benny was hooking up with Katie, um, but it turns out that's not the case. They're siblings. They're half-siblings. So, this part opens up with Severide and Katie meeting for coffee, um, and I mean, we just, we miss Big Brother Kelly so much, like. Big Brother Kelly was such a look. It really was, though. It was so good. Yeah. And so... Katie's telling him all about her life, and he's just interested in every single bit of it. Like, it's really interesting because, you know, he's tough and edgy, but, like, when he's a brother, like, and he, when he's in that brother mode or just, like, even just protector, caregiver kind of mode, like, he's just such a softy. Um, and it's just, like you said, it's a look. It's such a good look. He's such a teddy bear. I yeah. swear to God, he's like a teddy bear in a firefighter's clothes. Yeah. So, uh, Katie mentions that she eventually would love to run her own catering business, and Seb's like, I have an idea. Like, why don't you come cook for us? Like, we provide ingredients. Like, you literally just have to show up and cook. Um, And she is a little reluctant at first, but she, you know, eventually agrees. And so, then we eventually later cut to the main room, and everyone's sitting there waiting for dinner. I'm assuming it's dinner. It's not lunch, is it? Either. I don't know. (laughs) Whatever. Not important. And, like, Mouch is hangry, and everyone's just kind of annoyed that, like, so they could be eating now, but, like, they have to wait for someone to show up and cook food. Um, and Severide's like, no, just keep waiting, whatever, like, she'll show. But, of course, then she doesn't show. But pre, before her not showing, and, Kevra, er, not, and Kelly turning things over to Mills, um, Otis has the best line of the episode, or what I think is the best line of the episode, and he's like, this long await? She better be a stripper chef jumping out of a pool full of pasta marinara, and I'm just like, <laughs> so good. So, Kelly goes to see Katie at work, and Katie just tells him the story of, like, how Benny burned her, 
And, you know, really honestly, like, it's great, but we're not really paying that much attention because Severide Eyes, and it's just like, again, Big Brother Kelly is such a look in every aspect. It is. And again, I mean, when we say Severide Eyes, there's a moment of every single episode of Fire where the camera captures him just right, and his blue eyes are, like, blinding. And just, yeah, he could be in the middle of just, you know, a super profound speech, the character could be curing cancer for all I care. And I'm just going to be like, Severide eyes. Hmm. Yeah. Like, they're just beautiful. They're beautiful blue eyes. Yeah. But, I mean, really the point, I mean, the whole thing is, like, Kelly tells her, he's like, I'm not Benny. Like, I'm not going to burn you like he did. Like, I'm really honestly the furthest thing from Benny. And honestly, it's become, I mean, throughout the seasons, like, it's become a little bit of a recurring bit, but something that we love because we love the fact that Kelly is so different from Benny and is not just going to, he could so easily fall in line with what Benny, who Benny is and what Benny does and, you know, follow in his footsteps, but he's not because he knows that Benny's a terrible, shitty person. Yeah, and I love that he knows that about yeah. himself because Kelly being the way he is, you know, when he does get kind of down on himself, he can kind of fall back into that and be like, well, fuck, I'm terrible. But I'm glad that he knows that about himself. He's like, for all of the, for all of my negative qualities, I'm not Benny at the end of the day. Right, right. Mm -hmm. But is now also the time where we bring up that picture that Derek tweeted a couple weeks ago with the word Katie on the whiteboard? Hell yeah. So, yeah. Derek, so Derek did the thing, and I don't remember why, I guess, did he tweet, he was like, does anyone want to see what we're talking about on the whiteboard, or whatever, like, the ideas we're throwing around, or whatever, and everyone, of course, was like, well, yeah, duh, and so he literally takes a picture of one word, and one word only, and that is Katie. Uh, listen, I want this to be Katie Severide coming back so badly, because I love her, and I love Big Brother Kelly, but... Knowing what a troll Derek can be, no offense, Derek, you know we love you, but knowing how Derek likes to be on social media and knowing the way they tick and how Derek likes to give one detail that can, you know, completely derail us. Mr. Sprinkles, um, case in point. True story. I'm going to call Red Herring. It's a Red Herring, and I think Katie's probably like the name of a victim on a rescue or something. Oh my God, that's just cruel, though. It is, but it's a it's a prep for it's like a prep for the worst, hope for the best kind of thing. Right. Yeah, but I agree. I I mean, I want it as much as I want it to be Katie, and I'm still. I think I lean more on like I hope it's Katie than like thinking Derek's a troll. But I do. I mean, we all know that Derek's a troll, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but God, I want it to be Katie. But like, could you imagine Katie meeting Stella? She would think that he like she would just. I could just see her looking at Kelly and being like. She is such a badass. I love her. I want to be her. Can we be best friends, please? Well, and it's not even, it's funny because, like, I, as much as I want to see it because of the Severide relationship, like, I almost want to see the interaction between her and Otis and then, therefore, by extension, Lily and, like, see yes. that whole thing play out more. Like, I mean, as much as I was, again, I want her to meet Stella. Like, I want Severide and Katie. Like, I want that back, but I almost want Lily, Otis, Katie more. I for I and I forget about Lily and Otis. I feel terrible. Oh my forgetting god! How can you forget? Yeah. Oh. Well, I love Lily and Otis, but that's no reason for me to forget Katie. Right. Agree. But, oh man, Katie just was so good. Yeah. Remember I would when be we thought Lily was going to be Katie coming back? Yeah, but then we pretty much got like Katie's twin because Lily and Katie are like twins. Right. 
Yeah. Oh, those were the days. Those were the days. But do you think she's coming back? Do you think that's what it means? I think I'm more hopeful than you are, but I'm not like, I'm not holding my breath. Hmm. We shall see. Yeah. Ugh, love it. But yes, so, and these were the days back when like they would give us a ton of storylines, but then they wouldn't quite wrap them up. Because I remember that Katie does come back and cook for the firehouse, and I thought it was the same episode, but it's not. No, it's not. But I mean, this was, I mean, it was slightly wrapped up for the episode. Yeah. Yeah, slightly wrapped up. So in addition to Severide and Katie, we also get Bowden, and not just Bowden, but Bowden and McLeod. Everybody remember McLeod? She was the worst. she's She's actually the worst. Like, probably worst Chicago Fire villain ever, would you say? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's awful. So, the episode's happening, and in the middle of it, Bowden's about to go to his office, and McLeod's just, like, sitting outside like a creeper. And she sits in Bowden's office, and the gist of it is just, like, blah, 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 you suck, I'm shutting down the firehouse. Again, she's the worst. The actual worst. She, she just wants to, like, watch things burn. She has no point other than to just watch things burn. Yep. So Bowden's got this whole proposal to save 51, and Mouch decides to take the proposal to Sullivan. Sullivan being the one who beat him out for union rep. Again, this is, like, like far back. rolling my eyes, like, at all these character names, like Sullivan, McLeod, just like, oh. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, she, he takes it to Sullivan, and Sullivan's pretty much also, like, McLeod, and he's like, blah, 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 you suck, but also, this is not my problem. Mouch like turns it up and this this is not the Mouch we usually see which is just so great and so Mouch tells him all about the dirt that he could have spilled on Sullivan during the election he's like yeah I could have told them all of these things but I didn't I took the high road because I'm a decent human but then he says he's like but to protect my chief and my brothers and sisters on the job I will shout it from the rooftops get it Mouch love it yep but he also mentions there's a woman in Mouch's book club who Sullivan cheated on his wife with. So basically, Sullivan's mistress is in Mouch's book club. It's an easier way to say it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like we need to talk about this book club because, like, oh yes, you can't just plant that detail and expect us to ignore it. No, like, we're gonna talk about it for like, I mean, not actually twenty minutes, but like twenty minutes. Okay, so Mouch is definitely the only male in this book club, right? Yes. Yes. Was he in it before he married Trudy? Yes. Okay. And now that he's married to Trudy, has she joined? Yes. But we talked about this when we recorded the first time. I think, so my guess is that, remember when Mouch and Brett were writing, like, fan fiction-esque novels? And, <laughs> yes. Or whatever. So my guess is at that point, Brett started joining. And then Trudy, because Trudy kind of had a moment where she thought, like, Brett was kind of, not that Mouch was cheating on her, but kind of cheating on her with Brett. Um, and so at that point, my guess is like, well, Trudy's like, well, if she's going to be it, even though she knows that like nothing's going to happen, Trudy, Trudy being Trudy would like, well, if Brett's going to be in it, then I'm going to be in it, be in it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think Trudy was in it up until that point. I don't see Trudy being suspicious of Brett. I see Trudy more being like, what the fuck are you two doing? Like, what the hell? What kind of ridiculousness are you two getting into? And her just being like, I'm joining to know what you guys are a part of. Yeah. Yeah. But they also definitely read, like, female empowerment novels, right? Yes. 100%. Like, feminist things. Yeah. Like, they 
definitely read Eat, Pray, Love at some point. Right. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I bet one of the members of the... You think Cindy Herman's in that book club? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see Cindy Herman in that book club. <laughs> this is a fun game. Donna. Donna's probably in the book club. Donna. Yeah, I could see Donna in the book club. Donna probably doesn't keep up with them as closely as she should. Yes. I just feel like she doesn't. Yes. But whatever feminist novel is very big right now is probably what they're reading this month. Probably. I just imagine, like, Burgess coming into the district and Platt behind the desk just reading and being like, not now. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Oh, so great. So the episode ends with Bowden telling Mouch that an injunction against McLeod is in the works. So McLeod will soon be gone because she sucks. Yeah. She's awful. We did conclude the first time we recorded that she was worse than uh, Susan, the campaign manager, right? Yeah, but Susan, I really don't even remember Susan. So, like, that shows you how terrible, not actually terrible Susan was. I mean, she was terrible. I'm just glad that she would be more terrible if Casey hadn't gone back to Dossie in the season four finale. I literally don't even remember Susan. Like, Susan is, like, a blip in the grand scheme of things. Like, Grissom is over Susan. Like, everybody's over Susan. Grissom just doesn't scare me. And I, we had talked about this last time. Grissom doesn't scare me. I'm just he like, should. so cute. I know, he should. He probably should. And in season seven, I'm probably going to be like, remember over hiatus how I said that Grissom doesn't scare me? Yeah, I was wrong. That's and you're just you. going to like laugh in my face. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All of the things. All of the things. Grissom just doesn't scare me. He's just a little crazy in my mind, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Anyway. We also got a bit of Mills and Isabel. Uh, Mills and Isabel. That's how old this episode is, is we get Mills and Isabel. Isabella. Isabella. Isabel. Mina Suvari is the point. Yeah. Go what, ahead, Brenna. Isabella? Yeah. Millsabella? Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's not a whole lot, but again, context up until this point, if you hadn't remembered, haven't seen Fire, if you haven't seen Fire, what is wrong with you? But um, <laughs> Why are you listening to this podcast? Right. Um, but Dawson had brought Isabella in to help match with his campaign, and then Mills and Isabella kind of hit it off, and from there is history. Um, and so, but they'd kind of, they were like hooking up and then something, I don't remember what prevented them from happening, but something prevented them from happening. So they kind of took a break and now we're here. So Isabella stocks, stocks in quotes, but stocks, um, Mill's favorite coffee spot waiting for him right along the river. And he's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, well, I knew this is where you like to get coffee. So I'm waiting for you. Um, and she basically wants to ask him to accompany her to this black tie event for some senator that she has to go to. And she tells him, I mean, eventually she tells Mills that, like, she wants to run this guy's next campaign, so it's important, yada, yada, yada. And Senator Wheeler, of course, it's important to note that he's black. Um, and basically the only important thing from this storyline is that Mills thinks that Isabella brought him along to this event because having a black boyfriend would help her chances of getting the job. And, yeah, that's, I mean, literally the only important thing about this thing. Because um, it comes up in later episodes, or in the next episode even, um, this whole storyline. But, yeah, I mean, we talked about it briefly earlier, but, you know, remember when Fire used to tackle things like race and had an LGBTQ character, and, yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. I vaguely remember those days. Those were the days. You know, just, can a girl get some representation? Yes, please. The LGBTQ character is going to be on my wish list forever. 
until we get until it. Until we get it. On, and it doesn't have to be fire. Any of the three shows. Just, like, help me out here. Yeah. Ugh. You know, whatever. Not whatever, but, like, you know what I mean. But whatever. It, well, it's frustrating. It's like, you know, you like, you bought into the trope of bury your gaze. Right. Fix it. Please. Please. Please fix it. And it's not just... And we've covered this before, how Dick's, Dick Wolf's comment on LGBTQ characters, like, rubbed me the wrong way. Just, you know, he's just like, well, we don't want an LGBTQ character just for the sake of it. I'm like, well, you know, LGBTQ people don't exist just to, they don't exist for the sake of it. They don't exist to fill a quota. Yep. But that's a rant that I could go on every episode forever. But yes. Can a girl get some representation? Ugh. Yes. We'll come up with a hashtag for that at some point. The last bit we have to talk about is not only Clark, our beloved Clark, but his wife, Lisa. That is how old this episode is and how iconic it is, is that this is still, like, we're still talking about the drama between Clark and his wife. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. So we start off and Pouch. Remember Pouch? Cute, adorable little puppy Pouch. Oh, that was feel like forever ago. I know, I know. Pouch, who, yeah, they gave Pouch to that little boy JJ when his mom was killed. That's another episode that would be good to cover because we could just, like, get wine drunk and cry. Oh, my God. I, yeah. Ugh. Forgot about so, that. So, Pouch runs out to greet Clark and his wife. And so they're walking inside the firehouse. Clark basically tells Herman that, you know, things were really hard between them when he came back from overseas. But he tells Herman, like, we're going to give it another go. So after the very first call, Clark drags Squad 3 along with him, I guess to drop off, like, donuts or something at her place? Yeah, something like that. I thought it was flowers, but it could be, who knows. It could be donuts. I don't know. And it wasn't the donut part that got me. It was when he left, and I was like, he took the whole squad with him for that? Well, he has to. You can't go anywhere without them. Well, no, but, like, drop donuts another time when you're not on duty? Mm, Yeah, I guess. I don't know. He's in the mood, Gina. Let him be in the mood. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I shall not cock block Clark. 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 Yeah, I'm not even that drunk. But, yeah, after the first call, Clark drags him. There's donuts, whatever. There's a guy named Hayes in the apartment. And Hayes wants his money. Yep. Yep. And Clark is basically like, gtfo without saying gtfo because it's a network show but gtfo but gtfo and so clark is walking back out to the truck and sev just goes well that didn't go well and cap just goes that's how he always looks so in case you were wondering cap has been making those one-liners since the beginning yeah but really this whole scene is just like reminds me lisa was the worst and clark deserves so much better for real, though. For real. Lisa really was the worst. She was such a liability. She was just like, I wanted to, like, fuck you. Like, oh. And I mean, and so at the end of the episode, basically, because, again, this is something where we only got, like, two or three scenes. The end of the episode, Clark is in his car. It's nighttime. And Clark grabs a huge shotgun out of his trunk. What is he doing with a huge shotgun in his trunk? What do you think he was going to do? N- Read to children. I don't know. (laughs) He was going to, clearly he wanted to go kill Hayes. Just, wow. So he walks into Molly's. We basically just see him open the trunk. There's a shotgun in there. Shuts the trunk. 
But then he walks into Molly's. So this is enough to give all the Chicago fans like a total heart attack because we're like, <clears throat> he was just looking at a shotgun. Now he's walking into Molly's like, what the fuck is happening? And so Herman's like, hey, I'm so glad you're here. And Clark just goes, well, sometimes you need to step away from a situation before it goes bad. All fine and dandy. But for real, bro, where did you put the shotgun? It's in the back of his trunk. I hope so. It's in the back of his trunk. But when this resolves itself in, what, two or three episodes after this, <clears throat> Clark didn't kill Hayes. Somebody, no, Lisa killed Hayes. Lisa right. kills Hayes because she's the worst. Yeah. She is the worst. And she, I mean, she's the worst in that Clark especially. Clark was going to take the fall. Yeah. Because remember, Jay pops back up. I, yeah, Jay does pop back up. On fire. What always bugged me about that, because two episodes after this one is not like this. It's like the mid-season finale where Casey gets, like, terribly injured. What always bugged me about this was that, you know, Dawson's at the hospital and she's, like, freaking out because of Casey. Of course she is. And Antonio gets there and Antonio just quickly hugs her and is like, where's Clark? I'm like, where's Clark? Like, your sister needs you right now. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, screw Clark. Your little sister needs you right now. Can you stop being a cop for, like, two seconds? But No. No. But early season two, I forgot how, like, awesome it was. Ugh. Yeah. Season There's two was so great. many, so many episodes in the first half that I go back to and I'm like, that was awesome. That was awesome. That was really good. awesome. Yeah. 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 Like, my absolute favorite fire episode of all time is 206, 205. Joyriding is the title. It's just early season two, and it's iconic, and, you know. This is my favorite episode. Yeah, because it's just, it's iconic. It's so good. This was Ashley's, too, wasn't it, if I remember correctly? I think so. No, wait, Ashley hasn't seen this. (laughs) And this can't be Ashley's favorite episode. Ashley never saw season two. Oh, sweet little Ashley, who's never seen the first couple seasons. Yeah. So much she does not know. She hadn't seen it. She started watching, because, like, PD... She started watching PD season one, so then after PD had gotten established, she started watching Fire. So she watched Fire post Shay. Post Shay, that's right. She only knows oh Brett goodness. on Ambo, which is crazy. We've come such a long way. We really have, though. It's crazy. But yeah, that's about all we've got for this episode. Brenda, any overall thoughts on this one? No, but it's my favorite, and I love it. It's just so good. It's just so iconic, and everything is just so wonderful and pure. This is so good. Not to say that it's not wonderful and pure now. It is. It's just a different wonderful Right. It's just evolved and it's grown. Yeah. It's just a throwback. Mm-hmm. Feels good. Anywho. So that's about all we've got for tonight. Um, as always, guys, you can find us all over social media. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. It's Meet Us at Molly's right across the board. Just because it's hiatus does not mean that we're not around. We're around. Yep. As evidenced by this recording. We're around you know get in touch with us for anything definitely talk to us about the other shows we're watching it's summertime we're watching other things but yeah you guys can email us anytime meet us at molly's at gmail.com as far as the schedule for the rest of the summer again we don't know but now that this episode is fixed (laughs) the next one we're going to cover is chicago pd 301 because we want to torment ourselves with feels um definitely send us your thoughts on that one again you know where to find us definitely send us your thoughts that episode is going to be a lot of wine and a lot of yelling Uh, it's a good thing i have a lot of alcohol post birthday party yeah for sure because that episode is going to be a lot of yelling Mm, yeah yes and so otherwise for the rest of the summer i mean again we're open as to what kind of episodes you guys want to hear us talk about so 
Yeah, meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Meet us at Molly's all over social media. Guys, if you like the show, which we really hope you do, please leave us a rating and or review on iTunes. Please, please, please. And otherwise, that is about all we've got. Follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV. Bryna. I am at Bryna K13. And real quick before we move on to Ashley Sandal, which I'll just say it, AshNick095, that is N-I-C-N-O-K. I also just want to appreciate all of the lists, or not a, whatever. I also want to say thank you to everyone who sent me birthday wishes. I really appreciate it. I got a lot of nice tweets about things, so... Yeah. Nice tweets about things. Yeah. Well, birthday wishes. I, I'm a little tipsy. <laughs> I'm a little Me too. That's okay. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate it. You guys are the best. Yay. So that is about all we've got. And we will see you guys next time. Bye.